0: Welcome to What If So What, the podcast where we ask what's possible with digital and figure out how to make it real in your business. I'm Jim Hertzfeld, part of Proficient's digital strategy team, and today we're going to take a departure from our regular show to share my interview with Abe Anser. He has a great story, and I hope you get a lot out of it. There are a lot of great sports podcasts out there. This is not one of them. This is a show about the intersection of business and technology where brand and experience and innovation are changing the way we all work and play. And I'm excited about our guest today, someone who is literally mixing the two quite literally, as you will hear pro golfer and entrepreneur, Abe answer. Hey, Abe.
1: Hey, Jim, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the podcast.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm, I'm really excited about uh, having you here. And, and I know you're doing some pretty interesting things, um, both on and off the golf course. So. I think many people know you as a golfer. My golfing friends, those who follow the tour know you well. I think there are a few out there, some other aficionados that may, might know you as uh, the tequila guy. So you, you helped <laughs> found, uh, start Fletcher Azul. I, tell us just to get, get us started. Like how did, how did Fletcher come to be and where did that partnership start and that idea and why did you get into it?
1: Yeah. That was, uh, that's a pretty cool story. So um, right after I graduated from from college, right, we all have those terrible stories from college, that drinking tequila and that's all you can you can remember that it was definitely what the tequila is definitely what got you right, feeling terrible. And so I kind of dove into that, and I got really into tequila right after college. And mm-hmm. a good buddy of mine, which was much older than me, he's probably uh, 54 years. Oh, so he got a lot of experience with with drinking, <laughs> a lot more, <laughs> and especially especially with with good quality tequila. And so I, I was hanging out with him, and he he got me into uh, into this bottle. At the time, this was eight years, yeah, eight nine years ago, and we had a great time just just talking about it. And we we actually finished the bottle, both of us. And I was like, oh my god, this is gonna be terrible tomorrow. <laughs> And woke up, and I was actually—I mean, I—I I wasn't like hundred a hundred percent, but I was—I was good to go. I mean, I went and worked out, and then I went to play golf, and I had, and I was like, wow, that was that was not what I was ex- what I was expecting, you know, after all those memories from from college and before bad experiences,
0: bad experiences yeah. exactly.
1: So I really got into it. I started really researching and and, got, and falling in love with with the process. I mean, it takes a long, long time to. To get the actual juice in the bottle, uh, if you do it right, mm. I mean, there's a lot of shortcuts now and we try to stay away from that with, with Fletcher. But some of my first years on tour, I met Aaron, who is my, who is my compadre, my partner in, in, in Fletcher and, and other businesses that we have started in a pro-am it was in fort worth at the colonial now is the charles schwab challenge Mm -hmm. and we just got randomly paired together and we started talking about uh tequila he's mexican as well and successful businessman and still pretty i mean pretty dang young he's in in the late 30s and uh, he's done a lot of really cool things in the entrepreneurial side and he he pretty much woke up my entrepreneurial side and and started thinking of just beyond golf because i was just all about golf and we started talking about tequila going back to, to Flecha and he's also a, a big time tequila drinker and just loves the, the culture. I mean, also being Mexican helps with that. And we started talking about it and we said, well, let's, let's give it a shot. And not long, not long after that, we started the whole process. This was probably a little over five years ago, if I'm not mistaken. So we assembled a team. I had really good connections in Tequila, Jalisco, where we, where we make our, our tequila, and long story short, we we launched two years ago, and we've been we've been going strong.
0: That's a great story, and uh, I watched a video, and I love this quote. I actually wrote this down. You, you if you remember saying this. There's a reason everybody has a bad tequila story. That's because there's a lot of bad tequila out there, which I thought <laughs> I thought sort of indicated people who just were thought they were making bad choices, and they, maybe the only bad choice was choosing the wrong tequila. <laughs> That's kind of what I'm learning.
1: It do- also doesn't help when you already had either beer, wine, or whiskey, and then I mean right. you're mixing right. all these things, and then right. you have at the end of the night you have just really bad tequila. I mean. It's not gonna it's not gonna end well so yeah, right. I like to just really sip on tequila and just not really add any sugars or anything like that and just be smart about it yeah yeah and I I mean this has helped me I have a good time but I, I mean I wake up and I'm, I'm ready to go I mean I'm not saying I'm a big drinker because I still have to be fresh and I mean work out and everything but I I just fell in love with the whole process and culture and yeah doing and, and bringing to the table a, a tequila that is additive free and and is made a traditional way
0: that's great, and I, I know I know that there are a lot of elements of just sort of authenticity and the history and in the story of tequila overall, and in and understanding and appreciating the cultural aspects of it that you know a lot of people don't understand. I think that is valuable to a lot of brands out there as well, whether it's tequila or bourbon or if it's a um, almost any product, you know, fashion product or culture that sort of gravitates around maybe a, a make a model of a car. So. I love those elements then that you seem to be bringing out. One of the things that struck me when I was learning about your backstory made me right away. I was thinking of, of Mark Wahlberg because I think you, the two of you both very humble beginnings, found some success in different ways. I love your story, how you were um, almost an underdog. I want to say it. I don't know if you've ever been referred to that way, but always. Yeah. I love that. And I think a lot of people love that. I love that role. Yeah. It's a, it's the, uh, the underdog coming from behind. People betting against you, you get the chip on your shoulder to, to prove them wrong. I love that. I picked up on all those things. So, yeah, now you're partnering with Mark Wahlberg around Flecha, and um, yeah, I was thinking about a lot of this is sort of building a, a personal brand, and and I was wondering if that sort of crossed your mind. Is and as you and Mark partner more together, does that backstory is something that you feel is is kind of bonding you guys? Is that something you share as part of this venture okay. from a branding perspective? Someone you're looking to follow as well as partner with.
1: No, absolutely. And that's why it just everything, this partnership just came so easy and it was, it felt like it was meant to be an organic. And I've known him for, for a little while just through golf and, and pro amps and, and all that. But when we started talking about this project, I just really liked the way he thinks and how he goes about things. He's a grinder. Nothing has really come easy for him. I mean, yeah. he's extremely popular now, obviously, but he's worked his butt off to get work to where he's at just getting to know him and just we share a lot of the same beliefs um, work ethic and i really like how he goes about his life it was really exciting when he when he tried fletcher and i mean it's, this was a long time ago i know the partnership was just announced but we've been talking for a long time Yeah, and he was he was really adamant about hey i'm not we're not changing the narrative here i'm not going to be coming out and saying this is my tequila and i've been working on this project forever i mean this is this is you and Aaron. I just, I truly believe in, in you guys and mm-hmm. the product itself. And I just want to push you and be, be part of the team and cut a nice check for some equity in the company. And that's really <laughs> exciting. Cause now, I mean, you're getting a lot of celebrities going into the liquor business. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, they're just approached by big companies. They're like, you'll be the face. You'll get this percentage of the company and let's go. And right. uh, This was a very different way of doing things. And I, I like that because we don't wanna be lying to the public. We wanna just have something authentic and traditional and just happen to to work out that way.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I've I noticed the same thing. In sports world there's endorsements forever. Sort of celebrities putting their name behind something. I actually was surprised that the singer Bob Dylan has his name on a on a bourbon. It's actually pretty good. (laughs) But it's it's if you know Bob Dylan, it's called Heaven's Door, but uh, I'm not endorsing I'm just you know, I was surprised, surprised to see that. I wonder how involved he is. I mean, you really seem to be pretty hands on. I'm curious is just around that are, what are some of the, the things you've learned? I mean, I, I'm picking up that, you know, the work ethic and grinding is, you know, uh, a big part of it. But you know, what have you learned that you didn't expect when you're trying to build that brand or even some of the other brands you're involved in, Black Whale and Ombre? Like what are some things that surprised you along the way?
1: Well, there's many things that I've been obviously surprised, but there's so many things to like to start a company from zero. I mean, for me, I'm not, I'm, I'm on the golf course a lot, right? I'm playing, I'm still, this is my, my number one priority is is to get the ball in the hole. Your day job. My day job. <laughs> yeah. But just having a good team and, and loyal people around you that you can, that you can trust and knowing exactly what you're good at and not try to do something that you're not good at for somebody else. So I, I think we have a great team assembled in Fletcher and Blackwell and Ombre, another company we're, we're starting here soon. It definitely hasn't been easy and we've learned a lot during these years, but it's definitely having a, a team. I feel like we, we can definitely get better in a lot of things, but for the small, small period of, of time that we've been with these companies, I feel like we have accomplished definitely a lot and we have a really good team assembled, which is... For me, is the biggest and most important thing is just making sure you got the right people in the right places.
0: We love those stories. You know, there's a there's a book. It's been out a while called Good to Great, and they talk about getting the right people on the bus, right, and then figuring out what seat they sit on. We we use that phrase all the time, so I, I love to hear that. Sometimes there are no, there are no shortcuts. There's not an easy button, but something we talk a lot about on this podcast is the value of of people and leadership and empathy and authenticity, you know, and I, it sounds like all those things are coming together for you. What did you sort of learn from your golf career? I know, um, I think I know the answer here. I think I'm going to guess the answer. I'm not going to guess it out loud, but I'm but I'm wondering, <laughs> what did you learn from, you know, your time, you mean, know, when you were just a young kid, a very young kid, you know, learning the game and sticking to it. I'm answering your question for you, <laughs> putting the time in, like, what did you learn from golf that I think is, that's really kind of driving your business career?
1: Yeah, well, for me, it, it was never easy. Like I said, I was never the superstar at any level. Well, maybe maybe one year when I first got to college and I played junior college for a year, I happened to have a really successful year there. And then I went to transfer to Oklahoma. But before that and, and after that, I was never, like I said, the, the superstar at any level that I played golf. So I always had to work really hard. To just keep up and, and and keep getting better, and I was always being able to do that, but it, it never felt easy. Like, oh, I'm I'm really good at what I do, and I just I can just kind of chill and I'll be just fine. I always felt like I had yeah. to put a lot of work to just keep up with these with these guys and 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 hopefully beat them. So beat them. So I just transfer that obviously to to business. It has never felt easy, but I love I love the grind. I love staying active keeping my head spinning and how can we make something better how can we just be be better at what we do uh, and i mm-hmm. can't have something not work it just like it drives me nuts so if something <laughs> is not working i just i mean i non-stop try to figure out and call someone or, or figure something out to to make it work but it's just mainly just the grind and not i'm never satisfied also so in golf uh, even if i have a great round. I always look at the at the things that I could have done better and just make sure I I know that and implement it to the next. Obviously you gotta look at the things you've done well so you don't beat yourself up. It's just having that balance. Having that balance is very important both in in golf and business.
0: What about technology? I always I go right to this scene. I'm gonna go way back. I think it was Rocky Four, you know, and Ivan Drago and he's got this uh, lab, the Russian lab, and they've got all this technology and he's wired up and I don't see you in that role, but how does technology play a role in your golf career? Are you out there just, is it putting the time? Is it, you know, how much is is it self-reflection and, and practice? And is there a sort of an analytical side to it or a sort of a digital side to analyzing your swing or looking at statistics? How does that play in, if at all?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's so much technology now in golf and it feels like every day something new comes out, but... There's all these machines, TrackMan and Foresight and flight scope and all this stuff that... It's crazy how accurate they are and, and how much information you have at your fingertips When you, while well, you just... You hit a shot and you have club path and the spin rate and the swing speed and just absolutely just everything. So, I like to keep golf very simple. So, I, I stay away from, like, the really, really analytical stuff. I like to look at my... Like, how far the ball carried. I, I just... I like to keep it very simple unless I'm testing out new equipment, new driver or wedges or whatever it is. I get on those machines to, uh, to make sure the spin rates and the yardages and everything is perfect, but there's definitely a lot of guys out there. Like every single time they're on the range, they have all these machines and I like to keep it pretty simple, very traditionally in that way. So I don't like yeah. to, to kind of cloud myself with it, with too much information. So, uh, I use them when I, when I need them, but not all the time.
0: I could see that really kind of getting into your head to a little too much. I was never a great golfer. I was an adequate golfer. But when I had, I had a lot more time to do it. And uh, I, I, I remember if I've had a good shot, I I knew it right away. I mean, I, I don't know. I just felt it, right? And that's that was the best I could do. And I was just trying to enjoy myself. I wasn't trying to make a living <laughs> either. <laughs> Hey, just, yeah, I'm wondering when, when do you get to play a robot? I just had this brainstorm. Like somebody's going to build a robot golfer. It's going to have all that data. And, uh, I can, I can see that match in our future someday. I don't think people would watch robot golfing. Yeah. They might watch robots fighting.
1: Robots fighting for sure.
0: Yeah. But robot golfer, maybe not so much.
1: I've never even thought about it. I know they have some robots hitting like big equipment companies have robots to test, uh, their new equipment yeah. and they, it puts a perfect swing on it or whatever, but actually like going out there and and walking and hitting a shot and then I mean hitting the next one because that robot is just stationary and it's like just this big machine but I don't know that would be pretty cool I mean kind of scary but pretty cool
0: well there's some pretty scary robots out there they're like you know running upstairs and dancing and it's a matter of time but uh they're not going to start a tequila brand I can tell you that (laughs) so (laughs) I hope not (laughs) yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would, it would, yeah, it would just be made of motor oil, right? Loop. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, business be for other robots. So we'll, one last question, Abe, but what, what advice would you give to, let's say a, a small brand or even an established business? I and mean, we, we, we work with a lot of very large companies. that are trying to innovate in small ways and maybe with a small sub brand or a small department or, you know, an, an innovative new product. I mean, what, what advice would you give to sort of the, the business world listening? who are trying to grow and, and break in or break out?
1: Well, for me, it's just obviously believing in, in your brand and, and being extremely passionate about it because you don't you wouldn't mind putting in the work if you're just doing it for the money. And I think it's going to be tougher. Not saying you can't, but I just feel like if you're passionate about your product or whatever you're bringing to the table, it would be a lot easier for you to, to grind it out and put in the hours and and just get out there. Don't be, don't be scared. Uh, I know there's a lot of moments when you feel like you don't know if, if you should take the, that jump. And I feel like just, yeah. just try to get on there and not, don't, don't be scared. I mean, you're not going to find out if you don't. Right. So right. do that and surround yourself with, with really good people that, that are in your best, your best interest. That's my best advice.
0: That's awesome. I throw your heart off a cliff and you'll have to jump. Yeah absolutely well Abe uh, thanks for taking the time out and and talking with us and and, and good luck in your travels and on the tour and and with Fletcher and your other brands
1: thank you so so much and appreciate the invite
0: thanks for listening today and best of luck to Abe at the Masters this weekend in Augusta I hope you tune in again when we'll ask what if so what and most importantly now what you've been listening to what if so what the digital strategy podcast from Proficient with Jim Hertzfeld and Kim Chopek. We want to thank our Proficient colleague, J.D. Norman, for our music today. Subscribe to the podcast and don't miss a single episode. You can find this season along with show notes at Proficient.com. Thanks for listening.